Well, good morning. We're starting a new series today for the season of Advent, the lead up to Christmas. We're going to be doing a short three-part series. We're going to be looking at three of the people to whom the angels appeared in the Christmas story. And this series is called Fear Not. Today we're going to be looking at Mary. Next week we're going to take a look at Joseph. And the last Sunday before Christmas we'll be talking about the shepherds before Christmas Eve. So our story this morning comes from Mary and the appearance of the angel in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So I have it on the screen there for you. Let's read. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the chance to gather. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the season of Advent where we look forward to your coming. We thank you, Father, for your coming in the flesh 2,000 years ago. We thank you for your coming daily in our hearts. We thank you for the one day when you will come in glory to restore this world to your, to your proper created order. We look forward to it. We look back to it and we enjoy it daily. Thank you for your advent. Pray, Father, that your words would be on my lips today. These would not be mine, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mary. Mary is one of those people that we don't get much in terms of description for. She was a young woman, one of God's people, um, a Jew in, in that day. Uh, We don't know anything about what she looked like. We don't really know much about her moral character, except that apparently she was obedient. Um, You know, seemed to be a a decently good woman, but nothing truly exceptional as far as the text is concerned. We think that she was probably a young teen, possibly, possibly as young as 13, more likely 14 or 15, and we think this because in the culture of that day, it was traditional for a young woman upon reaching puberty to be betrothed and upon reaching adulthood, possibly as young as 16, to be married. Well, Mary was already betrothed, but she wasn't yet married, and that suggests that she was, there's too much use of the word Mary in this sermon. Mary married, so she was not married yet, but she was betrothed, so she was probably somewhere in the range of 14 to 15. Teenage is scary, isn't it? 
And fear is something that we all understand. Something that we can relate to. Who's got a fear? Hands up. Whose fear is being called upon in a big group? Oh, oh, oh. that was great. The hands just disappeared. Is anyone willing to share their fear? Like, just shout it out. Heights. Heights. Good one. That's mine, too. Anyone else? Snakes. I hate snakes. Anyone else? Clowns. Good one. Good one. Any mice? Okay. Did I hear scorpions? If I was God and I was making the scariest thing I could think of, I would make a scorpion. I, I tell you, like they're terrifying. I heard a bunch of people over here. Failure. Dragonflies. Oh, that's a new one. I've never heard that one. Good one. So, like I said, my fear is heights. And, which is kind of funny, because if you know me, in my other life, other life, I'm a painter. <laughs> a painter who's afraid of heights? Now, it's usually okay, because, you know, I, I'm okay when I'm on a ladder, and, you know, I'm, I'm all right until I'm about six, seven feet off the ground. Basically, once I'm this high off the ground, then I start getting nervous. Really, it's when I have to get from a ladder onto a roof or something, or even worse, from a roof back onto a ladder, and my dad's here, I usually work with my dad, and if he wants to get a reaction out of me, he only has to say two words. What are they? Earthquake test! <laughs> oh man, it never fails. There are good fears. Fears are sometimes related to, uh, shall we say, survival, right? Like, we want to stay alive. It's not that I'm scared of heights, it's not even that I'm scared of falling, it's that I'm afraid of the quick stop at the end. Right? And, you know, you're not wrong if you're afraid of, you know, when you, if you encountered a bear in the woods, especially if suddenly you realized that on the other side of you was a cub. You would not be wrong to be afraid in this context. And there are contexts where fear is good. Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fear in this context is something more like a healthy respect, right? If you see a great height, you have a healthy respect for it, and you think, hmm, falling off that would be a very bad idea. If you see a bear in the woods, you have a healthy respect for it, and you think getting between it and its cub would be a bad idea. And that's kind of the context that we see the fear of the Lord. But there's another kind of fear that the Bible talks about. And this is the fear that paralyzes us, the fear that tells us that we're not good enough, the fear that tells us we can't do anything, that we're unworthy, that nothing will ever come. And to this fear, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I could have brought up all sorts of verses about what the Bible has to say about fear, but the truth is, that the most common command in the Bible is don't be afraid, or fear not, as we've put it in the sermon title of this series. It seems that fear is the common reaction upon seeing an angel. Let's take a quick look, quick look back at Luke in 28. So the angel says to Mary, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You see, this is, this is kind of the standard reaction. Now, most of us have a very wrong idea of what angels look like. You know, if you're, if you're cleaning your house and you come around the corner and there's this 
fat, nearly, ba- nearly naked, bald angel with like a little bow and a heart on the end, your reaction isn't going to require that angel to tell you, don't be afraid. Right? Like you're not, you're not going to be afraid of that. We get a description of what an angel looks like in Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. His body was like topaz. Topaz is a blue hard gem. His face is like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. His voice like the sound of a multitude. Very interesting language. Not words that we would use today, but I can definitely pick up on arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. That I get. That, that to me, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger in Mr. Universe days. I, I get that one. I get eyes like flaming torches, face like lightning. That sounds scary. That's the sort of thing that, if I'm a young teenage girl, you only have to pull off one of your socks to count how old you are, and you're cleaning your house, and you come across that suddenly sitting in your living room, that's going to need don't be afraid. But the angel delivers an amazing message. He tells her, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Whoa! Can you imagine what Mary's reaction to this must have been? First, she must have been overjoyed. This is great news. That sounds amazing. She must have been blown away in in wonder and thinking, this sounds awesome, and finally the thing that we've been waiting for as a people for thousands of years is going to happen. Wait a minute. And then Mary would have shifted to confusion and perhaps even fear. How is this going to happen? What's going to happen? What are people going to think? Which leads us to the main question of this sermon. Why are we afraid of God's plans? Because we are. We, were, we are afraid of God's plans. And it's not something that we like to admit, but I think more of us would be walking in them in God's plans if we weren't afraid of them. And I think the first answer is that God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruption for Mary was certainly inconvenient. Mary was going to be pregnant out of wedlock. And there are some deep cultural problems with that. In fact, the, the law of Moses is quite explicit that somebody who's caught in adultery is to be put to death. Mary is risking her life doing this. But perhaps worse than that, at least to a young teenage girl, is that she risks losing her marriage. No, not funny? All right. Mary, just think about it. Mary is getting ready for her wedding. She's swiping through Pinterest. She's picking out the perfect centerpieces. She's practicing her signature with Joseph's last name. My wife didn't do that. We got a bunch of checks and she had to sign them and it was really funny because she'd sign her maiden name and then she'd get Danielle Reimer. She didn't practice it at all. It was really funny. It was so weird. But So Mary is getting ready to marry Joseph and this thing happens and you can't 
you can't imagine that that was an easy conversation. Hey, uh, Joseph, listen, um, sit down. I, I promise I'm pregnant. It's not yours. I didn't cheat on you. I'm not making this up, really. No, Joseph, I'm, I'm, I promise, please. Like, this can, how many times do you think Mary played this conversation in her head before she went to go have it? This is, well, inconvenient is putting it mildly. This is an interruption. This is possibly going to throw the whole plan for Mary's life out the window. But what we call interruptions, God often calls invitations. Can you actually think of anyone in the Bible that found God's call on their lives to be convenient? Moses didn't find it convenient. David didn't find it convenient. Joshua didn't find it convenient. There was nobody, I couldn't think of anybody in the Bible. Paul certainly didn't find it convenient. He had to get knocked off his horse and blinded in order for him to respond to God's call. God's calls are not convenient and we don't think of them such. We think of them as interruptions but God calls them invitations. Maybe there are interruptions that are happening in your life. Maybe you're here today because of an interruption. Maybe today, you were hoping to have a good sleep in, and instead, somebody said, you should come to church. Come with me. We've got this really great choir coming today. You should come hear our pastor. No, no you wouldn't say that. Maybe there's more, maybe it's something more mundane. Maybe there's somebody that you know who's in a hospital and there's, helping them would be an interruption, but you're kind of feeling that pull. Maybe there's a volunteer needed in the church that you go, I could meet that need, but boy, that would sure get in the way of the rest of my life. That would, that would be an interruption. We sure like the greeting that Mary gets you who are highly favored, we want to be highly favored by God, don't we? We want blessings, we want peace, joy, forgiveness, provision, protection. I wonder, is inconvenience the price of favor? There's a second reason why we might be afraid of God's plans, and that's because God's purpose is often different than your plans. What was Mary's plan? Mary was gonna marry Joseph. She's gonna have a whole bunch of kids. She's gonna raise those kids. And she was gonna die fat and old and happy and surrounded by grandkids. Sounds pretty good. What was God's plan for Mary? God's plan for Mary was you're going to give birth to the savior of the world and the entire history of the human race will be different because of it. Which one's better? Hmm, it's a hard question. What about in your life? Was there an interruption that happened? Was there someone that you thought you would marry? Was there a job you thought you'd retire from? Maybe there was a diagnosis. Maybe there was a child. Maybe there was the diagnosis of a child. Maybe there was the marriage of a child. Show of hands, who's had a plan interrupted in their life? Who, who thought their life was gonna go one way and it sure turned out something different? I would imagine that's all of us. 
It's God's interruption from Mary, the angel tells us in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. God had a different plan for Mary. Was God's plan for Mary better than Mary's plan for Mary? Yes. As the heavens are above the earth, so God's plan was better. What about you? If we surrender... What are we afraid that God will have us do? Are you afraid that God will have you quit your job? Move to another country? Move to a small town and have to start listening to country? (laughs) Could be worse. Not much worse, but I guess it could. Maybe you'll have to give up something you like. Maybe there's a particular sin that you've been trying to avoid confronting that is actually going to come up. And this is where we really get scared. And the truth is that in Luke 9.24, Jesus makes a promise to us. I don't believe I have this on the screen. In Luke 9.24, Jesus says that whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And I'm convinced that this verse doesn't only mean Something in the sense of, if you die in my service, you'll get to go to heaven. I truly believe that Jesus also means that if you give up what you think are your plans for your life, and you take my plans for your life, and you run with those instead, you will find yourself more fulfilled than you ever thought possible. I'm convinced of that. I'm living that. And the truth is that that's not easy, but it is fulfilling. And in fact... Just one chapter later, in Luke 2, verse 35, Jesus is taken to the temple to be dedicated. And there's a prophet there named Simeon who prophesies over Jesus, and he also prophesies over Mary. And his prophecy is very beautiful. He says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He's talking about Jesus as Messiah, as the coming Savior. But he also has a prophecy for Mary. He says the sword will pierce your own soul too. God's plan for Mary was higher than Mary's plan for Mary as the heavens were above the earth. But it was not without cost. It was not without pain. Mary got to give birth to the Savior of the world but Mary also watched her son die a horrific death on a cross. And I wonder if that's what we're really afraid of, that the price that we pay will be too high. I wonder, everybody lifted their hands earlier to say that they'd had something interrupted. Who's grateful that they had an interruption? Who's grateful that you didn't marry that person? dodge that bullet, who's grateful you didn't get, have to stay in that job? Do we have the faith to follow a purpose that's different than ours? So finally, the last thing I want to ask is, what is God asking you to do? Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you need to pray about it. It might even take you a couple of days. Is God asking you to start a ministry? Is he asking you to volunteer somewhere? Is he asking you to reach out to someone in need? Maybe he's asking you to reach out to someone you've hurt 
particular sin or behavior that you need to give up? Start or increase your giving at church? I think there's lots of things. And I could run through the list, but I think you know. God is perfectly capable of speaking to you. He doesn't need me for that. But there's one question that keeps coming up. How? And this is Mary's question too. She asks it in verse 34. The angel gives her this beautiful prophecy, you're gonna give birth to the savior of the world. And Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Mary knows where babies come from. She knows how this happens. And she's going, uh, 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 Mr. Angel, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying I don't have the money for that plane ticket. I'm just saying I don't know how to fix my husband. I don't know how to get through this exam. How will I heal from this hurt? How will I pay these bills? Fill in the blank, how will I survive this storm? But the angel's answer is good for us too. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God for nothing is impossible with God. Tell me, if you're having trouble in your marriage, can you fix your spouse? No. Can God? If you're having trouble in your finances, can you fix that? Can God? If you're sick, can you fix it? But can God? Nothing is impossible with God. And the truth is that outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. That God tells you where you need to go and you go. We may be afraid, we may be inconvenienced, we may have another plan, but God has a call on your life, and outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. And I so love Mary's response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. After the service, if you need prayer, I would invite you to come forward. If you would say that I am not following Jesus right now and I want to get started on that path, come forward. We'll be here at the front. We'll be ready to pray with you. It'll be very private. Everyone else will be dismissed. Nobody will be watching. But we want to pray with you if you have a need in your life or if you need to start your journey with Jesus. So let's pray and then we'll invite the choir back up to close our service. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that you make about fear. Thank you that you've given us a spirit of power and of love and not a spirit of fear. We pray, Father, that we would have the courage to walk in those good deeds that you've set before us. Pray that we would have the courage to follow you where you would lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.